0: You know, one of the things that, that people have said through the years about this church is that the love that we have one for another. And they say you can walk in and you can just feel the love that, that's there for God's people. And, and we've even had people commented about the, the, the racial um, ratio that we have in our church and how, you know, it doesn't seem to matter to anybody. Well, if it does, they shouldn't be here, right? They should go to where it matters. You know, it doesn't matter to us. If it matters to somebody else and they've got the problem, we don't, right? <laughs> but uh, so thankful to be here today. We were away for a week. We just had a wonderful time just being away and, yeah. It got started a little rough. We had uh a, a accident and uh, it was just, it was one of those things that you know, you think, well, how did that happen? Just, a, I was following, Terry was in the motorhome, I was behind him in my van and, And there was a big piece of rubber in the road. Well, it came up under the motorhome, and then it just got propelled and and hit my van, wiped out the left side, and then the other piece hit the tire and wiped out the tire, the wheel, the whole nine yards. And let me tell you, you know, as the enemy would have it, it was not in the best part of civilization. It was where there was a lot of unrest going on. You know, and we thought, well, that's interesting. So anyway, so we didn't realize that we'd had damage done to the RV initially, so we, we finally waited about four or five hours, three hours, what it was, and got someone to come tow the van away. Got in the RV and went, boom, boom, boom. Well, what had happened was that black piece of tire had hit a line that controls the airbag and the left wheel. So we were another two or three hours waiting on a mobile repair gun. Thank God for these these, these guys. And in about 15 minutes, he had it hooked back up and running, but... You know, was opportunity. You know, one time I said, "Let's just go home." (laughs) Then I thought, "I am not going to do that. I am not giving in." Besides that, I didn't have a car, (laughs) so (laughs) we couldn't go home. But anyway, the whole point of that is, it turned out to be the most incredible week that we've ever had away anywhere. Absolutely, just just you know, spending time with each other, with the Lord, with our dogs. You know, and prayer and just, just had a wonderful time and I appreciate all you guys' prayer and uh we just love the opportunity to be away. Pastor Zach and Nicole are away this weekend, her her, da- her daughter, her sisters graduating high school. So uh yeah, so they're they're up in uh the coast of Virginia, I believe, somewhere out that way. So they'll be back this week. We miss them when they're not here. We miss everyone when they're not here because we're family. Have you ever had a Thanksgiving dinner and one of your family members didn't show you miss them don't you it's not the same it's just not the same so there's power in that unity and so as i was thinking about the message you know i always say lord just what do you want me to ma- ma- uh, to minister and of course then i had uh, I'm, of course i'm a warfare person because i'm telling you, if you don't know we're in war you're blind as a bad and i don't mean that <laughs> derogatory And i think everybody in here knows we're in war i mean you really have to be d- totally desensitized to what's going on so no doubt and But you know what? I did a little research. and You know, we're not the only nation that's going through this. Surprise, surprise. I just did a quick research. And these are some of the nations besides the U.S. Brazil, Israel, Hong Kong, the Philippines, Canada, Africa. I was talking this again this morning to Kelechi. Some of you know Kelechi that we're helping down in Nigeria. And, and he says, things are really bad down here. He said, just please keep praying for us. And he says, I so appreciate what you guys are doing. We sent another uh, money this week for... Uh, to feed 10 families for a month. So you guys are doing that. So thank you for that. And so I, I sent that this week and he's so appreciative. And you know, when, when a family can live uh, a month on two meals a day and only spend $100, can you imagine? They're just thrilled to see somebody with a bag of rice come to them. So, you know, we take so for granted the blessings that we have here in our nation. So much for granted. And, uh, so, But we live in a world that's really at war, but it's really not black against white, Republicans against Democrats. It's not gays against non-gays. It's not abortion, pro-life, pro-life uh, pro-choice. It's it's two kingdoms. It's light against darkness. And we've got to see this. It's light against darkness. You know, and, Gen- and Terry alluded to this this morning, but in Genesis 3.15, the Lord told Eve that her descendants would be locked in conquest with the descendants of Satan. He said, this is what he said. He said, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. So he's saying, you're going to be locked in conquest through the ages. So see, this is where it all started. It didn't start with who was running in office. It didn't start with slavery. It didn't start with those guys, those greedy people, bringing people across the Atlantic or whatever it was to sell them. into. It didn't start there. It started back in the garden, and we forget that the real enemy is, but we war with each other because the enemy is working behind the scenes to cause division and to cause unrest. To, call, to he, The enemy is really working to oppress people. The oppression is real. We're not denying that. The oppression is real. But let me tell you, it's, it's, we've got to understand who the enemy is. We have to understand who the real enemy is. It's two kingdoms in conflict. And if you read your Bible, you'll know that that Satan was kicked out of heaven. If you read down in um, Ezekiel 28, I believe it is, that uh, that Satan was appointed guardian of the garden. Do we ever really look at that? He was appointed the guardian of the garden. Do you know that? There's a whole lot of stuff that's just just incredible when you really get into the Scripture. Um, Be here Wednesday night, if you will. You're going to understand. You're going to see a video that's going to do a lot of teaching. It's going to explain to us very clearly why what's going on is going on. I encourage you to be here. I can't do it online because we can't show the videos online. But I'm encouraging you. We're going to start sharply at 6.30. Be here. Be here. And it's going to explain what's going on. And if we leave this place after watching this, this biblical teaching, still with these attitudes in our heart, we just need to repent. It's what we need to do. We're just being bullheaded, we've got a cloud over our face, and we have to understand who the real- See the thing is, if you don't know who the enemy is, you're never gonna win the battle. We're constantly gonna be fighting one with another. And so the battle began when Satan wanted control of God's family on the earth. And, and and we have to understand he still wants control. That evil influence of Satan continues today as and his host of evil powers are spread throughout the world, powers and principalities and wickedness, taking the treasure of God's earthly family and his kingdom. That's what it's really all about. That's what it's all about. And so this thing manifests itself in different ways. The pride, racism... Hate, greed—you know—and we talk about racism, and we, we, we kind of have a tunnel vision because we think it's black and white. No, it's not. By, what about Hitler, the cleansing of the races? It had nothing to do with skin color. See, racism has existed. It's, it's, but the devil's going to work with whoever he can work with, whoever he can divide and conquer, whoever he can pit one against the other. And if—and if we allow him that root or that place in our lives to be one of his voices, then we're in trouble. And we're doing nothing but perpetuating the mess that's going on. And so what's really happening is fueled by an unseen enemy that is still doing battle against the believers, the children of God. And that's really what it's all about. And I, as I was thinking about, you know, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go? I went back to my favorite, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, I love the book of Nehemiah. And I had taught on this long long ago, I think '09 maybe. I haven't taught on it in a while. I, I quote it all the time, but I don't think I've actually taught on Nehemiah in a long time. But I, I thought about the, the piece that the Lord had given me several years ago about Nehemiah's model for warfare, his model for warfare. And as I began to think about it, and I pulled up some old notes, and I, I thought, you know, that's exactly what's going on today. This is a beautiful picture of exactly what we're dealing with today. Because we, you know what we see in the book of Nehemiah? Racism. We see racism. We see the Jews versus the Samaritans. Samaritans versus the Jews. That was racism. They looked the same. They were even half Jews. But you know what it was? Because the, 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 that evil force was trying to bring division against what God wanted to do in the earth. God had had spoken already to Nehemiah. I'm going to kind of jump in in the middle. But he had already spoken to Nehemiah to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. See, the enemy doesn't want you doing anything that's going to promote the will and the agenda of God. Nothing. He doesn't want you loving people. He doesn't want you working together. He doesn't even want this church to be as it is. He'd rather we be all one color, one or the other. That's what the enemy would rather have. But see, the walls of Jerusalem being down was a disgrace to God. It was a disgrace to God. It was an open target for the enemy when the walls are down. And God put a man on assignment. His name was Nehemiah. Let me tell you, if you, if you call on the name of Jesus, you are on assignment. You are on assignment. Jesus, in 1st John 3, 8, it says the purpose of the Son of God was to destroy the works of the devil. So what's your assignment? To destroy the works of the devil. That's your assignment. And that's our assignment. And and so we, we have to understand that when we're on assignment to destroy the works of the enemy, there's going to be a conquest, there's going to be conflict. And we have to understand too that this nation, if this nation goes down, it's a beacon for it's a beacon for the gospel, but it's also the stability for global economy. We have to understand this. We have to understand this. And we cannot be ignorant of his devices. Second Corinthians two eleven says, For we are not ignorant of his devices. You know what that word devices means? Mind games. We're not ignorant of Satan's mind games. He plays games. That's how he deceives us through mind, mental perception. That, that somebody thinks in their mind is right when it's not right. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. That word strategies means methods, deceit, trickery craftiness he says so we need to put on the whole armor that we can stand against these this cunning trickery of the enemy first peter 5 eight says be self-controlled and alert your enemy the devil prowls around looking like a roaring like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour what does devour mean it means to drink down to swallow down to swallow up to destroy it means looking for somebody to play mind games with See, all he has to see is a little seed of hatred, a little seed of prejudice in our hearts, and he's got somebody he can play his mind games with. Or look at a little disappointment or a little failure. Well, if you weren't this color or you weren't that born on this side of the tracks or if your family had more money or if you weren't female. See, the devil wants to play mind games with us and make us disqualify ourselves first. Let me tell you, as a child of God, you can do anything you put your mind to. I don't care if you have green stripes. You can, do, put, you can do anything you put your mind to as long as you do it this way. This way. Can't do it any other way. No restrictions. No limits. So we see in that story of Nehemiah, and I think most of you are familiar with the book of Nehemiah, but, but we, he had two primary uh, enemies. The first was Sanballat, and the second was Tobiah. Now, what the Lord showed me years ago about these two was that they represent two spirits that are operating in the world today, the spirit of religion and the political spirit, the same spirits that are operating in the world today. We see that Sanballat was the governor of Samaria, and and his name means secret hatred, by the way, secret hatred. And he represents the religious system of the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jews because they were considered a mixed race. So they were looked down upon by the Jews. They only believed the first five books of the Bible in the New Testament day, and they didn't believe the rest of it. You know, you remember the story about Jesus going to the well with a woman? And also, they were religious in nature, but they wanted to build outside of their understanding of what the Word of God really said. So they they really didn't understand the Word. So what did they do? They built doctrine outside of the Word of God, what it really taught. And we see that all the time, don't we? Well, you know, what are, what are denominations? They're simply, they're simply traditions that we have accepted that have been filtered through this lens that we've been raised upon. So we create these traditions and we call, then we say, well, I can't worship with you because I have this tradition. So I'm going to call it this denomination A. Uh, or I'm going to make it, you know, uh, B or C or whatever it might be. Whatever our many denominations are. So, so anyway, so it, but they represent a godly action but no power. They represent godly action of power. So we see that religious spirit works today just like it, it, it did with Sanballat, because it wants to. It wants to come against what God is doing. It wants to come against what God is doing, and it wants to. In that in that day, Sanballat wanted to prevent the building of the wall. This spirit today does not want you to. Does not want the body of Christ to be expanded in the earth. It doesn't want the body of Christ to take over the powers of darkness. It doesn't want us to destroy the works of the devil. So it's going to What is it going to do? It's going to put us to sleep. It's going to put us to sleep to where, you know, and the spirit of religion also will demand more than God demands. It'll look down on certain things, and you know, you know, Jesus even talked about this with the Pharisees. It, you know, they were they had a religious spirit. And it works today just like it did then in preventing the building of the church of Jesus Christ. The other thing that the, uh, we'll see that this religious spirit does is it belittles, it discredits, it slanders, and it will abort the work of God and it will disqualify through legalism. It will disqualify through legalism. And then the second enemy was Tobiah the Ammonite, and he was the governor of Ammon, and he represents the political spirit, which is the worldly system. And we'll see some of this as we move into it, but but keep this in mind. A political spirit always has a hidden agenda. A political spirit always has a hidden agenda. That's why I can't support certain movements, because they have a hidden agenda. You know, their agenda, yeah, out front their facade is it's all about this when behind the scenes it's all about promoting an agenda of abortion, the gay agenda, the overthrowing of America, or, or the church, or whatever it might be. So we can't be fooled by what we see on the outside. What, what are they really supporting? What are they really doing? So we have to be very careful with those things. So they're always working behind the scenes and they're always looking for a following. You see how this applies to us today? They're always looking for a following, and so these spirits tag team. They actually tag team, and in Mark eight fifteen, Jesus says he charged his disciples, saying, "Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod." We've, ta- we've taught on that a lot. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. Matthew 22 says, Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet with him. So see, the Pharisees met together with the supporters of Herod how to trap Jesus. See the same thing going on today. Revelations, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. So they represent two spirits that are really the seedbed of all the spirits that are operating in in the world, in our nation. I know this is a little heavier than normal, but just bear with me, okay? Years ago, a guy wrote a book called The Political Spirit, Faisal Malik. And I would recommend It's a great book to read. It says, The political spirit forges alliances with religious and Jezebel spirits to forward a hideous, hidden agenda. There is a great handshake between the political and the religious arenas. Churches have become entwined and common with the political system in its operation, resulting in us looking like worldly kingdoms instead of the kingdom of God. See, the church should be so separate from the world. And, you know, the church doesn't influence the world nearly as much as the world influences the church. Right? We've seen it happen. Chuck Pierce, about the political spirit, he says, Jesus warned against it. Machiavelli made no excuses for it. Herod built his empire on it, and Hitler sold out to it. So it has always been, we've always seen this thing. And so if we look at the characteristics of these spirits that were operating against Nehemiah, we're going to see also the same spirits are operating in the world today. They have been. This is nothing new. So let's, I'm just going to start with uh, Jeremiah 2.10. And this really tells us what prompted the attack. Now, I want you to keep, I want you to think about this in parallel with what we see going on in our nation today, okay? Remember Sanballat is the political spirit, Tobiah is the excuse me, the religious spirit, Tobiah is the political spirit. So when Sanballat the Horonite and the Tobiah the Ammonite official heard all of this, they were displeased that someone had come to seek benefit for the Israelites. Let me tell you, the spirit doesn't want any party, any people benefited. Black, white, Indian, Hispanic. They're going to fight against anything that, that anybody wants to do to benefit a group of people. And so we see that jealousy is what prompted the attack. I, we don't want you benefiting the people of Jerusalem because it's going to affect our agenda. Proverbs uh, 27.4 says, Anger is cruel and wrath is a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. So it's clearly not a battle of nation, uh, not a battle of nationality or ethnicity, race or spirit. It's simply a battle against the purposes of God, and the plans of God. You know, you think about every one, every person in here. God has a plan for you. He has a plan that you be prosperous, that you be successful. And there's not a single person in here that has to come up against opposition, right? There's not a single person. I was telling the prayer team last night, I, I worked uh, I worked in the uh, lab and I was over a department and I hired a guy under me who made more than I did. And when I went to, uh, when and I had to feel like it was a gender prejudice. So when, even though I was over the department and I said, you know, and I said, you should have seen the guy squirming trying to explain that one away. You know, it, it's amazing how, I mean, we all deal with things like this. There's always going to be somebody, well, he, you know, he's, I think I was told he's a man and he needs this for his, I think, well, well, hello, you know. But what was Nehemiah's strategy? What was Nehemiah's strategy? He says, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Remember, he's just come off four months of prayer. He's talked to the king. The king's given him letters. He's gone through the, he's gotten all the supplies that he needs. I came into Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told nobody what my God had placed in my heart to do. I told nobody. See, this is why we need to get alone with God. We need to. We need. We don't need to be talking so much because I'm telling you, too many people give their plans away to the devil. We can talk about we're going to do this and we're going to do that and all this and we give the the devil knows what's going on and we can, we can sabotage and shoot ourselves in the foot all the time because we, we give the enemy too many of our plans and so we you know the devil only knows what's revealed to him right through, our, through us he's not a mind reader so nehemiah got his plan and he went before God and he was not interested in telling look what God has called me to do I'm going to be this great martyr and I'm coming in and building the walls of Jerusalem. I've got this huge plan, guys. Let's get together and do it. He didn't do that at all. He, he went around and he mapped out the territory. Second thing, Nehemiah 2.19 says, And when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, the and Geshem the, Ar- the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this that you were doing? Are you rebelling against the king? The second way the enemy operates is through mockery and ridicule. Mockery and ridicule. Ridicule is insulting or contemptuous actions or words, accusing you of, based on a, a presumed motive. What are you doing there? Are you rebelling against the king? We're trying to make him, him look bad in the, in the face of others. Psalm 123-4 says, we have endured much ridicule from the proud, much contempt from the arrogant. But what was Nehemiah's strategy? He says, I answer them by saying the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right. He knew who he was. See, he knew who he was. You've got to know your identity. You've got to know who you are in Christ. And, and so we have to understand when the enemy's coming at us, accusing us and ridiculing us and checking our motives, we have to say, no, I, I'm a child of God. I'm here on assignment. My job is to destroy the works of darkness. I'm not allowing this to have root and, and reign in my life or in my church or on my job. I'm not being a willing participant in all of this. Number And then in Nehemiah 4, 1 through 3, it says, Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he, he jeered or mocked at the Jews. Has anybody mocked at you? Every one of us has been jeered at and mocked, right? You know, just be a female and be a pastor in the south. It's not as bad as it used to be, but I'm telling you, it was. Wh- why are you doing that? Why would you build a mental health clinic? Jeering, mocking, because God told us to. See, the problem was we 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 told the enemy what God had put in our heart to do. We learned, didn't we? Yeah. We told the enemy what God had put in our hearts to do. Not everybody's going to understand what you're called to do. And so many people, I believe maybe even in this room, have been called to do great things and you've backed away because somebody questioned your motive. Somebody ridiculed you. Somebody mocked you. And he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yes, what what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, will break down the stone wall. What do you think you're doing? And what was Nehemiah's response? He prayed. And he continued to do the work. He said, hear, O God. Hear, O God. We have to be certain of what God has called us to do, or the least little thing will cause us to back away. We have to be be careful. And then in verse 7, we see another strategy of the enemy was violence and confusion. Does that sound right in the day we're living in? Have you ever seen so much violence? People destroying people's property for no reason other than anger or greed. It says, But when Sanballat and the and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry and they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause confusion in it. Do we see what's going on? So when the enemy sees that you're making progress, what's he going to do? He's going to come in and try to create confusion. Trying to create confusion. What was Nehemiah's strategy? He prayed. And we prayed to our God and we set a guard as a protection against them that day. They prayed and they set a guard. They prayed and they set a guard. See, sometimes we pray and then we have to do something, don't we? It's not just, well, I pray, God, it's up to you now. No, we pray and we set a guard. Prayer and action. Watch and pray. We have to do something. And and, um, Psalm 55, 17, 8 says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he will hear my voice. He has delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. So we have to put action to our prayers. Another tactic of the enemy is discouragement and fear. We see that going on in the world today. In Judah it was said, The strength of those who bear the burden is, is failing. The strength of those who bear the burden is failing. We have to pray. Terry said it a moment ago. See, our we, our protests have to be in the heavenlies. Our protest has to be in the heavenlies because that's where we're going to stop the enemy. If the whole church, if all of the church said, "We're not putting up with this. We're coming against the spirit that's causing this," I think you'd see things just settle down in no time, right? What? It would. Yes, it would change things. Listen to what they said. The strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There's too much rubble. Now, where was this being said? In Judah. In Judah. This is the church talking now against Nehemiah. What are y'all doing that for? Don't you know it's too much? It's just too much. You just need to settle down. You just need to be quiet. Just going to pass by. Just don't do anything. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we'll not be able to rebuild the wall. And our, now we got the enemy saying, and, and the enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. So we got the church working against the people. we got the enemy working against the people. But what did Nehemiah say? He says, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your home. If we don't see the big picture, we think it's only for what's happening. This is for the generations to come. What we're doing for our nation is for the generations to come. And we've got to see beyond just what's happening on, on the news every night. We've got to see beyond it. We cannot lo- allow fear and discouragement to come into our hearts. If we don't see the big picture, I said a moment ago, we're asleep. If we don't see the big, we don't see what the enemy's really after. And it doesn't matter where the negative voice is coming from. If it's coming from the church, can't listen to it. Can't listen to it. If it's coming from the enemy, you can't listen to it. You know what God's word says. What does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? That's what we have to know. And there's a voice that wants to intimidate. It wants to stop. And it wants to disempower what God is doing. We cannot give up. Deuteronomy 20 verse 1 says, When you go out against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God who brought you up from the land is with you. See, looking out, even in the spirit realm, looking out in the spirit realm, it looks like it's just an insurmountable problem. It looks, like, I mean, there's the forces of darkness, the, the, the evil that's present in our land. It looks insurmountable, but see, the God is with us if we do it His way. See, he's releasing angels every day to do the bidding of his word. Are we speaking the word? Are we speaking what's contrary to the word? Another enemy strategy is dealing with the sin that's in sight. And I think Lori mentioned this a moment ago. Dealing with our own hearts. We've got to deal with our own hearts. Nehemiah 5.1 says, Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of the wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were some who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many, so let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our field with our vineyards. What had happened was they were borrowing money, but they were charging exorbitant interest rates. So they were they, it was basically moved back into slavery. They come out of slavery from the Egyptians, now they were back in slavery to their own people. And so we had to, Nehemiah said, you have to confront the sin that's in our own hearts. See, do we have, do we regard others as less than we are? Do we think that we're superior to anybody? What's in our heart? Do we have hatred? Do we have pride? Do we make little snide remarks? Nehemiah said, I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles. And see, we have to hold ourselves and others accountable See, I, I'm not. I'm not. I, don't ask me to take a side in anything. I'm not taking a side except this side. That's the only side I'm taking, and I'm not taking a side against one or against the other. God is not against anyone. We're for God, aren't we? We're for God. Deuteronomy twenty three fourteen says, "For the Lord walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you." Listen to this. You want deliverance from what you're going through? Just maybe it's just an issue in life, maybe it's family, maybe it's children. He says, "The Lord's walking in the midst of your camp to deliver you, to give up your enemies before you, therefore shall your camp be holy, that He sees no unclean thing in you and turn away. What's our life? What's our heart look like? Is our camp clean? Are we calling for God to bring deliverance in our lives, in our nations, in our nation and where we, and our hearts are filled with hate and discord? prejudice, we have to confront sin in our own life and in the lives of others. We have to confront it. And what what prevents confrontation is fear of people, apathy, not believing the word of God, laziness, when we don't confront what is wrong, what is truly sin. And we see, you know, Eli refused to confront his sons, didn't he? What happened? It cost him the priesthood. Do we, want to, do we want to wager our standing with God based on the sin that's in our heart? The battle of Ai was lost because of hidden sin. Jesus couldn't do miracles because of unbelief. And the trick of the enemy is to try to get the church apathetic and not care and just, well, it's okay, you know, they, you know we'll just keep praying for them. You know, in the New Testament, a lot of people that are in the church today would have been set out. What happened with Ananias and Sapphira when they came in and lied to the Holy Spirit? They got zapped, didn't they? Holy Spirit killed them. Well, let's let him do that if he wants to. Do. We're not going to do that, right? We're not going to do that. But the enemy wants us to sympathize with sinful behavior. The enemy wants us to let the world influence us rather than us influencing the, the world. And it's a disease and it has to be confronted. Another distraction of the enemy is, is uh, another strategy of the enemy's distraction. This is a biggie. This is a real biggie. It says, now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gishab, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there was no breaks left in it. I thought at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. See, the enemy is always going to want to get you distracted from what God has called you to do. Offer you another option, Right? But see, Nehemiah knew enough to know that they were up to no good. They, they really didn't have his best interest at heart. And becoming a, distracted is simply a matter of not prioritizing or focusing on what God has called us to do for the time. We have to be focused on what we're called to do as a church. We're called to bring unity. We're called to bring transformation. We're also called to pierce the darkness in our community. We have that, we have that, that goal and that, that, uh, that God has given to us, that assignment and the enemy will often attempt to distract us with flattery, with what seems to be right, or just activities. One of the things was we were praying last week. One of the things, just I said, God, just show me what's in my heart. He said, You have too many distractions. I'm just being transparent with you. Too many distractions, and most of them were technological. It wasn't people just sometimes you know? And it, well, God, that's a great tool to use. No, but sometimes we just need to put it aside and just get in his presence, don't we? But he'll attempt to distract us. But God gives us us our assignments. People don't give you your assignment, by the way. People do not give you your assignment. God gives you your assignment. And that does not include any distractions of the enemy. But what did Nehemiah do? He said, I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? I can't tell you how many times I've used that scripture in the church. Somebody will get petty about something and, and, and they'll, well, let's just meet, let's just talk about it. And I'll say, no, I'm doing a great work for God. I don't have time to come down and deal with your pettiness. Go get saved or go get it worked out. I don't have time to deal with this. When you've talked to a person once or twice or three times and nothing's changing, you don't have time. You got to, the, Sooner or later, you've got to quit digging around the same tree, right? Sooner or later, you've got to quit doing that. And And because sometimes that's the only way people are really going to to grab hold of what the truth is and, and, move, and you know, make the difference in their own lives. <laughs> I didn't say that to you. <laughs> I think they're having a private little conversation over there. So we have to remember, we have to stay focused on what God has called us to do. And nobody is worth our assignment. Nobody. Nobody's worth your assignment, let me tell you that. We love people. We want people. You know, I, I, when, when I was a very young believer, I was praying one day, and God gave me this little, I guess it's, you'd call it a vision. I don't know what it was. But I saw this image of Jesus. And he was on this beautiful narrow road, and there were people all along the sides. And there was a light at the end, so I knew in my vision that it was he was getting to that light. And all, as he walked along the side, he was walking like this with his eye, and people were reaching and grabbing at him. Come here, come here, come here. And they were trying to pull him off. The path that God had put him on, but he would say, "No, you come with me," and when they didn 't come, he left them. Remember the rich young ruler. see so we can't allow a distra- false sense of sympathy to cause us to compromise what God 's called us to do. We cannot allow it. We are doing too great a work to come down off the wall to, to deal with all this mess. I will use the word Becky used. Another one is false prophecy. That's another biggie today. There's so many prophets that are coming out of the woodwork. And it says, Nehemiah 16 says, Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of table, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. This was a lie. They are coming to kill you by night. But what was Nehemiah's strategy? Again, he knew his identity, he held to his destiny. He said, but I said, should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. See, we have to have our own relationship with God. You can't rely on somebody else's word for you. Prophetic word. Somebody's always got a prophetic word, right? You better know what God is saying to you. You need the now, we need the now word. We've got to have confidence in who we are. That's why this time of getting away and spending time in God's presence is so important. We have to spend time in his presence. And we have to know when a word rings true and when it doesn't. We have to know that. So just, just this, I'm just real quickly here. A couple more slides. This was Nehemiah's warfare model, and this is the same for us today. When the enemy comes at you with jealousy, you have to ignore it. When somebody says something against you because they're jealous, ignore them. Don't give them the time of day. You don't have time to deal with it. When somebody comes and ridicules you, be confident in the relationship you have with God, if you have one. We need to be building, strengthening that relationship. I know who I am. I don't have, you know, if I hadn't have known who I was, I wouldn't have been standing here today. I told people, you got to talk to God about me being female. I think he knew that when he called me. I think he knew that. I even questioned him on that, by the way. I said, God, I'm, I'm a female. And I really don't want to deal with it. He said, And he said, I said, I'm the least of the least. That's what I said. And that's how I felt, how I still feel. The least of the least, he said, that's who I'm going to use in this last day. Is the least of the least. Those who don't think they can do it on their own. And those who know that if, if I'm not involved, you're going to fall flat on your face. So mockery. When Nehemiah was mocked, he went. he, he went to prayer, he went to work. It's just in your face. I'm just going to keep going. I'm not taking my eyes off the path. Threats and confusion. Prayer, and he continued to work. Discouragement and fear, he remembered who God was. He remembered the strength of the Lord. When there was sin in the heart, accountability. Accountability. Let me tell you, if you're work, I've seen I've seen the hand of the Lord work in ministries, when there was sin in the in the ministry and and it was, the person was held accountable. I'm trying to be careful how I say it. the person was held accountable. We've had to do that here a couple of times. But we always give a chance for restoration. So you don't ever just knock, so you give a chance, you give an opportunity for restoration. But you have to say, if you're going to be on the worship team, you can't have that lifestyle. If you're going to be standing in the pulpit, you can't have that lifestyle. But, you know, but we always, come on, let's mentor, let's get back on our feet. Let's get back to where God wants us to be distraction, we have to focus on the work at hand, slander, don't be intimidated, you know who you are. And then false prophecy, you better know how to hear from God for yourself. So one final scripture given in four different translations. Don't be your own worst enemy. As I said, every one of you are on assignment. Know your assignment, know who you are. Don't be your own worst Don't keep opening the door for the devil to come in. Don't keep shooting yourself in the foot. I've done that a time or two. We've got to learn. Ephesians 4:27 says, "Do not give or neither give place to the devil." What, is, what does Peter tell us? He says the devil's walking around like a roaring lion looking for some way to slip in through attitudes, through lifestyles, through beliefs, through disobedience. The good good word in the uh, New Testament says, "Don't give the devil any opportunity to work." The NRS version says, and do not make room for the devil. See, when we start to believe what the devil is saying, we're saying, okay, come on in here. Abide with me. See, Jesus says the devil has nothing in common with him. He has no power over him. The NLT says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Here's a quote, chronic prolonged behavior in a pattern of sin will produce opportunities for the enemy to manifest his influence in our life. He will use his schemes, his devices, his deception. We're living in a day, guys, where we have to stand for what this word says. We have to stand for what this word says. I had believers justify to me why abortion is okay. I said, that's not the word of God. I've had believers try to tell me that God's okay with certain lifestyles, immorality, homosexuality. That's not the Word of God. That's not the Word of God. It's not my opinion. I can't afford to have an opinion different than this book. can't afford to have an opinion. When somebody tells me that it's okay to murder babies, but it's not okay to murder adults, it's not okay in either case, in my opinion. Don't tell me. It's hypocritical. It's hypocritical. To me, abortion is... An ambush of the innocent for selfish purposes. It's an ambush of the in- enemy for selfish purposes. Should have thought that, about that before you laid down with the person. Can I say it any plainer? Lives are eternal material. I think if we just could just understand and see what God sees, if we could just see. That every person is a part of the family of God or God wants them to be. If we could just see that, we would know how precious every life is. Young or old, black or white, Indian, African, Japanese, doesn't matter. They all belong to God. He loves them all. And as a body of Christ, we must love them all or we have sin. You want to say something? I know this was heavy. But I tell you, we have to understand. You know, people say, well, it's not in the Bible about all this that's going on. Yes, it is. It's been going on from the ages. It started in Genesis 3.15. And until the day that we're no longer in the earth, it'll continue. And if it wasn't about the issue it is today, it'll be about something else. It's going to be about something else. COVID back down, the enemy's going to use something else. That'll back down, the enemy's going to use something else. If we don't believe that, we've got our head buried in sand.
1: I was thinking as you said something as God looks down on this earth. Can you imagine how the, how God feels the emotion, the tears when he looks at women around the globe that have been that are living in oppression? We think it's bad in America. That's a joke. Go to India, go to Africa, you'll see women oppressed. You'll see women violated, and it's legal. You'll see the hatred and disrespect for women. It breaks God's heart. How does God feel when he looks down and he sees abortions? It breaks his heart. We want that to cease in this nation and in the world. How does God look down at America and the world when he sees racial unrest? I can't say that I have a clue how black people feel. I'm not in your shoes. I don't know. I think I know, but I really don't know. But God knows. And let me say this if you want to protest, please do so peacefully. Like I said earlier, I protested the Vietnam War. I I just did. Didn't do any good. Can I tell you something? Respectfully protest, but I want you to understand the spirits and principalities are laughing at our protest. You know why? It's not going to do any lasting good because it's a battle against good and evil. They want more unrest, the principalities do. If you, black people, if you want justice in this land, join us in the heavenlies. And let's tear down principalities that are attacking racism in America. Join us in this church and let's enter and let's go to the principalities and fight this. That's where we win our battle. We don't win. I can't win a battle by speaking out against you or you against me or or even voicing my opinion. No one really cares. It's just an opinion. It's just spewing out anger unless we join hands in the heavenlies and attack the demonic principalities, they win and they're laughing at all of us because their end game is destruction of this nation and this world. I encourage you. We pray. We're going to be praying every Monday night at 6.30. Tomorrow at 6.30. Tomorrow at 6.30. 630. If If you're really
0: concerned, be here. If you're really concerned, be here and pray with us. So don't tell me you're concerned if you don't have time to pray. It's too many distractions, and I, I mean that with love. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that evil or hard. We firmly believe that's the solution. That is the solution. If you if you really want to see change, join us and let's pray. Let's 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 affect where things can truly change. Yeah, come on. Yeah. You have to get the mic. Yeah, I need to get the mic so we can hear you. Come up here, Deborah, so the world can see you.
2: Thursday in uh, Bible study, we took the last few moments to pray. We spent the last part of our Bible study in prayer. And this is what happened. We each took a turn uh, praying for situations that are going on. Um, we've all got children. We've all, A lot of us have grandchildren goodness gracious there's enough we don't need to add more layers but before we left this is what i said watch things are going to be different we prayed thursday night there was no violence on the street in charlotte thursday night there was no violence on the street friday night now The enemy whispered very quietly to me and said, Do you think your little prayers had anything to do with that? And I said, They most certainly did. If they hadn't had something to do with it, you wouldn't be talking to me. So, yes, it had something to do with it. That's good.
0: Come on, Duke. We're just in a different time than we've ever been in. We're not giving the enemy any ground.
3: I was going to say this after Becky, but we was out of time. So Dale Gressley did pass. Yeah. And when we would be at her house having said, we would have um, different things come up. It could be racial or whatever. And as everybody, everybody knows Dale. She would say, can I can I speak? She always asked permission to speak into your life. And she said, can we look at it in different eyes? And she said, you know, like the song says, we fight our battles in prayer. She said, but we also have an enemy. That's right. Not only do we have to pray to God, we have to speak to that enemy. And we tell them we see him, we recognize him, and we will not tolerate him in our lives. That's right. And so we pray against him. And this is, that's the whole situation with everything we go through. There's an enemy. We have to recognize that enemy. And distraction is a big one. Mm-hmm. And then you had this message, in, and I said, I have to say this, because Dale spoke it all the time. Tell that enemy to get out of your lives. Yes. Tell that enemy to get out of our church. We were not tolerated. We will stand for God. That's right. And no enemy can come against that. Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: You know, and nobody nobody is saying or believes for a moment that anyone should not have what's due to them. Everybody deserves equality, freedom. Everybody deserves the right the right to have what anyone else would have in this nation.
1: I'm going to shake your hand. This is my brother. I will fight for you to the death in the heavenlies because you deserve everything that God has for you. And I'll fight for you. You understand that? Because I love you. Not because of color, but because you're a child of God. That's what matters.
0: So we have to Tell the devil, we don't have time to come down. We're doing this great work for God. We have to come down. Time to come down and deal with all this little junk that's going on around us. We're going to we're going to do the war and the battle where something can change because of it. Right? We're going to do that. Yes. Bring 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 your body over here. This is Smokey Robinson. First of all, given
4: all honor and glory to my Father. You know, when I first come in here this morning, I was sad. I was saddened. And my brother Dan and Anita and Mimi, they prayed. Dan says, are you better? I says, so, so. But your message, your message today, Pastor, open my eyes that was slowly closing due to the enemy but I thank God for you I thank God for that message I ask that there be an anointing every single Sunday for your message thank for our praise and worship team and for Tom the technical people and the instrumentalists and he's hearing my prayer Yes. and I just want to thank you
0: I love you love you too Ron love you too brother Thank you. Ron's a prayer warrior. He's a worshiper. He's a winner. He's had a different path to walk than a lot of us have. We don't we don't deny that. But you know what? We're going to get to the goal together. We pick each other up along the way. I can't apologize for what people have been. I tell people all the time that when they come to us that have been broken through molestation, especially, abuse as a child. I said, I can't undo any of that for you. But what I can do is help you get healed from it. Get healed from it. And that's where we have, we have to be healed from our past. Not keep walking in the past. And you know, we can never undo what some people have dealt with. and not my, Any of us. But what we can do is we can get healed from it. God only desires to bring healing in our life. He doesn't want you living in the regrets and the shouldas and the anger. The bitterness in the heart that will defile the whole body. He doesn't want that. We've got to walk in love and respect and honor one for another. And if we don't do that, then we're no better than anybody else out here. Right? Yes, Vernon. Man, you look good.
5: Yeah, I appreciate the sermon this morning. But uh, I was sharing it with an item on Facebook. It's been 65 years that our blacks were saying, stop the killing. And my son, I was two years old then, because I'm 67. I got a grandkid that's coming up to be. I think I put 13 more days, he'll be two. And I would like to say, for 65 years, we've been going through this and this and that, and praying and asking God for our, I mean, to stop it and it never stop. So I was thinking at the church, we need to get out to talk to those. The leaders of our community and let them get to the point that if you got certain ones that's in the church i mean your organization that got racist get rid of them Absolutely. like i was sharing with pastor the other day Absolutely. if you get if i'm a racist person i'm gonna hire all racist people so at the point if i treasure my job enough that i'll say that i fire a couple of them, a lot of them will straighten up right. so it's the point of i'm saying that uh it's not about uh looting or doing anything else our black people is about the point that we went through this I mean we can forget it but you can't keep forgetting it a month and then it happened again that's the only thing I'm saying about this I appreciate y'all listening
1: this is where kingdom businesses have to step up and say no I'm a kingdom business owner you're a kingdom business owner and you say no to this And you speak out. But you speak out with your actions. And you make your actions bold. And you stand up for the kingdom of God. You know, we don't hire by color at Genesis. It's amazing. We don't look at color. We look at qualifications. It just so happens one of our most beloved counselors is black. And we hope and pray to God she never leaves. Because she's loved and respected. But we didn't look at skin color. We look at resumes. And she's a Christian too. You know who I'm talking about. A mighty woman of God. She is shifting the environment of people's lives. Because she'll shut that door and pray for them sometimes. She can
0: also say things that we can't say. She, holding accountable. She will hold people accountable for their stuff. And she's incredible. We actually have several.
1: So church leaders, yes, need to speak up and say this is wrong. Businesses, kingdom businesses, need to stand up and say it's wrong. But do something about it. Reverse the curse.
0: But we also have to remember there's an evil power working behind everything. Let me just tell you, this is what I believe with all of my heart. Had what happened with, uh, what's his name, Floyd? Had that been a black police officer, nothing would have been said. Had it been a white on white, nothing would have been said. Had it even been had it even been um, black on black, nothing would have been said. It's horrible. We know the killing takes place. It happens everywhere. But the enemy, this spirit that I'm talking about, wants to maximize it. That's what makes the news, and that's what we have to be praying against. I don't think it's. I don't know that. I don't think that event was racial. I think the guy just eat up with evil, the the police officer. And I hope he gets the nth of whatever he he should get. Cruelty. But I I don't think he even looked and said, Oh, this is a black man. I think I'll put my knee on his... I don't think he said that. I think he's just so evil. But see, the enemy wants to come in and play it up because now we need something else to put the focus on. We need something else to bring the division. And this is where we have to be wise and get into the heavenlies... And we have to be... That's where it's going to stop, Vernon. That is, you know, we can go to all we want to go. That's where it's going to stop when the hearts of people get changed. That's why we need to put believers in office. I love our sheriff because he's a strong believer. He's a strong believer. So we, we need to... We, it's, it's, the battles are won. Paul said it. He said, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's who we're battling with. And if we start thinking it's flesh and blood, which a lot of it does, we're going to see exactly what we're seeing today. It's not about a person. It's about a power that's in in operation. So, yes, ma'am. Oh, it's not coincidence at all. It's the scheme of the enemy. Absolutely. It's a scheme of the enemy. And when this is over, it'll be something else. I'm going to ask Wayne if he will close us out in prayer. Another powerful intercessor. You know, one of the first people we contacted with our accident was Wayne and Anita because we knew they were going to get on their face and pray. Appreciate these guys.
6: Can you hear me? Yes. It's amazing that she gave me this mic because I'm sitting there. I came in here with something on my heart. Uh, Actually, I had it on there yesterday. Last night, I couldn't make it to prayer. But uh, you know what's amazing to me? We're in 2020, and we're still fighting the same battle that we've been fighting since Gettysburg. That's amazing to me What's even more amazing Is we're fighting that battle Inside churches Now that flips me out Because if you can't get it right here We can't get it right out there So We can't look like they look They're they're supposed to look that way It's the world but we're supposed to look like love. We're supposed to look like love looks. Love does. Bob, Bob Goff. Love does. And so, you know, I just, I'm just overwhelmed that how the pastor has to stand up in the church and says, We're not going to tolerate that here. Well, that should have been settled when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, how how can you even accept Jesus as Lord and Savior if you have that kind of heart? That, that, that makes no sense to me. So I'm I'm not trying to repreach anything. I just those are the things that were that's that were that was on my heart uh, yesterday. Uh, so Father, I want to thank you for impact church a church that actually stands on the word of God and and does not withhold the truth it's uncompromising and, and that's what we need those are the type leaders we need we thank you for the anointing that's on Pastor Donna and Pastor Terry We thank you for the anointing that's on the congregation. We thank you for the love that you've poured out on each and every one of us, Father. Father, help us to see this through your eyes. Help us not to have our own opinion. Because our opinions really don't mean that much. It's your opinion. Your opinion that counts. And no one else's. Give us a heart to love each other. Because this whole thing. Everything you did. From Genesis to Revelation. It's all about love. It's all about love. And so Father we thank you. We thank you Father for changing minds. Changing hearts. Delivering us from, from ungodliness. Racism and prejudice. And Father don't let us think for one moment that. White people are just prejudiced No Black people are prejudiced as well It goes both ways And so when people get offended I think about you And how offended you must be At 60 plus million babies dying Lord God we need you We need you Father Give us The boldness and the courage we need to speak out against things that needs to be spoke out against. We cannot cower at this hour. We cannot be afraid in this moment. You have not given us that kind of spirit. We are warriors. We do battle. So let us gear up in the name of Jesus. And do what we are destined to do. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.
0: Don't forget Monday prayer six thirty, Wednesday night six thirty, Saturday night six thirty. Love you guys. Call us if you need.